Hello! Welcome to IntelliCast. This is Season 6, Episode 7. My name is Brian Lamar. I am the Chief Insights Officer at EMI Research Solutions, and joining me is Brian Peterson, who is our Digital Marketing Director. How are you, sir? I am doing all right. It's Wednesday. We're making it. It's halfway through the week. Yeah. That's all uh, I can really say. It, it's been busy, a week. Huh? It's been a week. Yeah, we have um, a guest on today. His name is Chris Wallace. He is the president and co-founder of Interview. And I, uh, we recorded a podcast yesterday. I was in a Starbucks parking lot near Knoxville, Tennessee. Um, so if it sounds a little odd, that's why. My dog is in the backseat of the car during the podcast. So Bonnie probably made an appearance. Surprisingly, I don't think she did. I didn't even not, did not even realize that Bonnie was in the car with you. She was quiet. Um, she's really good in the car. Um, and I love the interview with Chris, um, interview, first of all, as we'll get to our only news story really quick, first of all, fantastic name An interview means he's interviewing kind of people in the inner, instead of external of the company, the inner internal part of the company, um, and leveraging that for sales and marketing and, um, good guest. I think you'll find it interesting. Um, you get time to a second, but first off, this is brought to you by EMI Research Solutions. You can reach us on Telecast at emi-rs.com. Follow us on Twitter, emi underscore research, or Telecast1. Text us, 513-401-5463. I didn't get any text from the last episode yet. No one's you didn't. Me. You didn't get a text, but you also got a Prince news story sent to you that you were unaware of. That's true. Prince is – there's a case in front of the Supreme Court about Prince, ironically, and copyright, which Prince and copyright about the, you know, a checkered past <laughs> with him. Um, one news story. You want to go through that one really quick? Yeah. So this came out this morning um, as we were recording here that um, I know the news came out like last year that IRI and the MPD group merged, but they have rebranded and the new name is Circana. So that has launched this morning and you and I were talking about – I guess it came out last night. Uh, you and I were trading messages about this after our conversation with Chris earlier in the day. Yeah. How do you feel about it? I mean, I'm so, it's predictable how we're going to feel about it yeah. because it's happening over and over and over again. IRI, another iconic brand. NPD, another iconic brand in our field. And now they're gone um, with Circana. What does that mean? You know, Kirk Perry, the CEO, said in the release that it's, you know, conveys the business's 360-degree full-circle understanding of the consumer market. Great. Yes, it does. Great. But if you have to explain it, I don't know. Like, I just miss – I mean, we joke around about it, but Nielsen, we had a news story last week about Nielsen and NIQ and Schlesinger Group um, changed their name and just iconic brands over and over and over changed their name. And now we have Circana and bye-bye IRI and MPD. So that's, those are my thoughts. I mean, the big iconic companies, you know, IRI even had probably some awareness outside of our field with all the receipt data data that they capture. Um, so makes me sad, but oh, well, you know, this is just our podcast. You know, it's just us talking about brand names again. Yep. And, we'll do the, and we'll do the interview too. Well, on the website up uh, that came out yesterday, their tagline is complete view of the customer. Yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> when you combine the two companies, it makes sense. Like, but I don't know, like, couldn't it be NERPID? You can combine them and I, right? No. 
You don't like Nerpin? No, I don't. Man, I thought that was good. That that was not Chief Insights Officer level of branding. <laughs> no, that probably was Chief Insights Officer <laughs> level of branding. Nerpin. Um, but you know, we can move on. <laughs> um, by the way, SampleCon just ended. I can't wait to hear the stories. The pictures looked beautiful. Um, Mary Draper, Mary Rose Draper was there. We'll have a recap of that. Um, of course, LA just ended. Of course, Chicago is on deck, I guess. And QRCA is, I think, next week. And um, then, of course, Chicago, March 27, 28. We will be there talking about mental health on March 28th at, I think, 1130 Central, around there. Yep. With Grand Trust. And then you'll be at IEX in May 24th and 25th in Austin. You and keep forgetting the Insights Annual, April. In April, I, you know, be I in Hilton Head. Yeah. <laughs> For some reason, they're not in sequential order. Um, Insights National, Hilton Head, South Carolina, April 24th through 26th. I'll be there, and it's kind of up in there. Who else will be there? Um, I think Angie Trujillo will be there. And possibly Jason Hayes. We're trying to figure out some logistics. And then IIEX in Austin, Texas. You'll be there on stage, man. I know. Yeah. Uh, little nervous. A little nervous. I'm not the biggest fan of public speaking, but yeah, I'll get over it. It's yeah. I'm a, I'm a lot better at it than I used to be. So, yeah. and then also, it's still time to submit your innovation submissions for the Green Book Innovation Event. That's right. Which I'm. I'm crossing my fingers. I think I'll get a text message today or tomorrow about Brian Lamar. We are inviting you to be a judge. Hop on a plane, come to Austin and be a judge. I don't, I think they've got the judges nailed down this year, but maybe next year. Maybe yeah. I'll, I'll go chat with the judges, see if I can get you on the list. Yeah. There's been times and I've wanted to just set up the same table because it was a little somewhat informal at some times at IEX that. Um, there'd be like a round table at the front of the room. There'd be lots of round tables and all the judges would sit at one and I would sit near them because I like to sit in the front during conferences. And I was like, man, what if I just sit here? And when they're going around asking for feedback, like I'm just there and then maybe they'll ask me for my feedback. Um, so I've been trying, this has been a, like a seven year plan to get on stage <laughs> as a judge at IEX, but I'm glad you're speaking. That's the more important part. Um, so go see if you're going to Austin in May at IEX, go see Brian. Should we jump into our interview with Chris? Yeah, so this is Chris Wallace in um, interview. He's the president, co-founder. He, uh, he'll talk about how he started it, why he started it. And there's a kind of a gap out there in marketing is how I would put it. And you probably know this better than I do, Brian. Is that fair? Uh, yes. Yes, that's, yeah. yes <laughs> it, it, it is fair to say. And it's really – Chris's interview and Chris have a very unique – niche they're playing in of making sure that marketing and all of those efforts are connected with that front line, whether it is sales, your customer service people, your technicians, all that, because they are an extension of what marketing is saying and that brand positioning of what you do and say, you need to make sure everyone is on board. So left hand and right hand know are working together versus opposite of each other. Yep. And he, uh, at first I thought maybe this was kind of a Oh, I interviewed the sales function. I talked to them personally, compiled the results. No, 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 no. This is a large quant study with advanced modeling. Um, so this is pretty advanced stuff. They're really cool stuff that they're doing, and he'll talk about it in the interview. Anything else you like to add? 
No, um, it was, a, as we kind of mentioned in the interview, was speaking a lot of my language and yeah. I even said it, like the stuff he's working on can be qualified for a lot of marketers. That's their number one issue of making sure you come up with the great branding, positioning, messaging, and then the people who are supposed to deliver it don't. Yeah, we can, many people can relate to that. Yes. Without further ado, Chris Wallace, and thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good week. Joining me now, I am real excited to have Chris Wallace here. Chris Wallace is the president and co-founder of Interview, and I am excited to have you as a guest because I think you're going to be a little bit different. So thanks for joining us, Chris. Nice to meet you. It's nice to meet you as well. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Yeah, so Interview, um, you're the co-founder of that company, and I'd love to maybe tell us a little bit more about it and why you started it, but how you started it. Yeah, um, uh, interview is the result of many years of experimentation, as is usually the case with uh, with any entrepreneur. But um, my my business partner and I have worked together for a long time. Um, we've we've been in the the sales side of, of the business or of, of corporate America for for the early parts of our career, and um, we actually uh, we we founded a started a company together uh, back in 2011 that uh, was essentially in the sales effectiveness space. And as that, that business grew and we ended up merging it with it with another firm, another consultancy, we realized that um, we never really kind of found our true, um, our true lane, if you will, with that, with that firm. We were, we were doing sales effectiveness work. What we realized was um, so much of our work was really tied more to marketing and supporting go-to-market initiatives, new product launches, things like that. And that we were kept getting lumped in with sales training and we, we didn't feel like it was a fit. So we ended up leaving the firm that we merged with and we sat around and pontificated for a couple of weeks, decided what was going to be next. And uh, we really decided that um, that interview was was the path. And, and really the, the thought process behind interview is, is helping marketers look at their internal paths to market and, and, and recognize how important they are, not just looking at the external ways of communicating with customers. It's about intern, you know, communicating with internal stakeholders as well to reach those customers. You know, that's that's interesting concept to me. I, Brian can probably add more here. I'm a researcher. I have a marketing degree, but I've never really used it. Um, internal path. I don't, I typically only think of marketing externally. What does that mean? An internal marketing. Yeah. Well, so think of it this way. So uh, oftentimes I'll ask people. Um, we've done a lot of work with call centers. So, so I'll just use that as an example. And I've talked to a lot of marketing executives and I'll ask them, is, is a call center a marketing channel or an operations function? Is it a marketing channel or operations function? And I've heard just a broad range of answers over the years. And I think I could make a very strong argument that a call center is a marketing channel that should be owned by the marketing team, overseen by the marketing team. Because at the end of the day, marketing, I believe, that's the customer strategy. Marketing owns the customer. They own the customer relationship. Um, sales and, 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 and channels have to execute on it. But the way we look at it is you can, I'll give you an example from one of my clients who actually oversees call centers. He said to me one time, when we first restarted, when we started this interview, we've done business with him for years. He said, so tell, tell me about, tell me about your firm. And we explained it to him. He goes, well, let me get this straight. He goes, we're great at putting the message on a billboard. But making sure that what's on that billboard is reflected when the phone rings and it comes into one of our call centers, we're terrible at that. That's what we do. So we look at that congruency between the external messaging 
and the and the outward facing, the customer facing employees and representatives that are out there, you know, in theory, evangelizing your products and your brand. If those things don't match up, marketers have a challenge. So we're big believers that marketers can't just afford to focus externally. The the internal billboards, if you will, the internal messengers have to be a key part of their strategy. I could go right. so many different directions here. Brian, you go ahead. Brian, I see you shaking your head. That what Chris has just described is probably a marketer's largest pain point. Do the yeah. great job of getting that campaign out. And if your sales team or anybody else internally can't speak to it, it's almost not a point of doing it. Well, you know, my business partner, and and I'm, I'm so keen to make sure you say co-founder because I, I have a wonderful co-founder, Diana Finley. And Diana always talks about, it's like you're throwing a party. Marketers are throwing a party and you're inviting people to show up and you're driving people to your front door, but you never took the time to actually get the house ready for the party. So you've got these people excited about it and, and you've got people showing up at your front door and the, the, the carpet's not vacuumed and the, and the food's not ready. And the, if, if you're not ready to deliver on the promise that you're making externally with your, with your internal stakeholders, you, you end up here, here. Ultimately, the problem becomes one really important thing, conversion. If what you're saying externally doesn't match the readiness and the, and the really the, the mindset that you have internally, conversion is going to suffer. And as marketers get measured more and more on results as opposed to clicks and likes, which we know are only worth so much, marketing has to convert into sales. It has to turn into revenue. And if your team can't follow through on that, can't close that loop, you have a challenge. And, and Brian, I want to quick point out, you said <laughs> that's the biggest, uh, biggest challenge that marketers have. We ask marketers, how confident are you that your front lines will tell the story the way that you created it? That's what we ask them. And you can imagine the variety of answers that we get in response to that. It's usually a cringe or, or, or something along those are no eye comment. Exactly. But it, it just it, that, that pull through is not happening. And we believe marketers need for their own good need to step up and do something about it. I'm going to try to turn this back around to sample real quick. We'll get back to more focused in a second. So in our niche industry, we provide our clients, which are typically brands, similar to yours, probably. They don't need to get feedback, surveys, things like that. And the way that our companies and our partner network, which are sample-related companies, external facing is to a respondent. So we send an email invitation and say, hey, take the survey. Has our brand name on it. Has our partner's brand name on it. And 90% of the time that happens, they don't take a survey. We say, hey, take a survey. 9% of the time, don't take a survey. 80% of the time, frustration in taking a survey. I'm sure you've taken a survey. It's frustrating. You get asked the same questions over and over again. We tell you it's five minutes, it's 10 minutes. You don't qualify. Um, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't work on your device. Um, can you come in and fix our industry is really the question I'm asking you. Wow. That's, uh, that, that, that's, a, that's a loaded question. Can I come in and fix your industry? Um, we have so many I, I problems that... with what you're talking about. This is the point. Um, we, if you can't execute what your brand mission is, to the constituents, and for us, it could be respondents, our brand is worthless because it's a poor experience for people. Imagine if a Kroger did that, or, you know, yeah, or any retailer. 
Yeah, it's, it's so so execution is where where you know m- most brand. You know, we we we've gone back and forth with how much we use the word brand, and 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 depending on who we're talking to, people have you know some people have an allergic reaction to it, but the reality is, you know, go to market is really where where people can can you know can can wrap their brain around. You have things, you have promises that you're trying to get to market, right? At the end of the day, it's all about value proposition. And if there's not a consistent view of the value proposition or a consistent belief in the value proposition, you end up having things break down. Now, Brian, to your point about the um, about the sampling and things like that, what makes us unique is we actually do what you're talking about, only we do it internally. So we are we have built a, a platform called Infront that essentially is taking the discipline that you just talked about with going out and sampling, getting representative populations of customers to share feedback. And we are doing the same thing internally. So, you know, we think of it as most organizations know what their customers think of them or their prospective customers think of them. We want to know what the people talking to the customers think of them. Do they see value? Do they think it's going to connect with the consumer? What are they seeing in the trenches every day? So we bring, we try to bring that same level of rigor to the internal segments, the internal population, just to close the loop for marketers and help them understand we have all these audiences we need to reach. Don't forget about the people who are out there serving the customers every day. Those, maybe I'm wrong. I feel like those functions typically aren't very well connected. Is that the overall premise is that they're not connected and your advice is to connect them and they're so valuable. It's ridiculous not to connect those, that feedback, right? Absolutely. At the end of the day, we are marketing to sales alignment consultants. At the end of the day, that's what we do. And if you, I mean, listen, many an, an HBR article and many a book have been written about trying to uh, connect the silos of, of marketing and sales. But we think we think that the the definition of those two functions has really evolved over time, right? I mean, you think about customer experience is now uh, it, customer experience is, is dominating the way organizations think about you know getting to market, no matter what product or service they sell, and Customer experience really is, okay, it's a marketing function, or in some cases, it's its own function, it's its own silo, but sales now is not just how do we get people to buy something, it's think about, we work with service technicians, you know, in-home installers, delivery people, to make sure they understand how they are delivering on the brand message. So sales and marketing, those terms have sort of evolved over time. That's why we talk about frontline, we talk about go-to-market, because it's a little bit different than it used to be in the past. But if you serve a customer directly and you interface directly with a customer, you better darn well know what role you play and what message you're supposed to deliver at that point of contact. Awesome. Thank you. You touched on in on Infront, a product you offer. I'd love to hear more about Infront. Yeah, Infront, you know, we, we think about, um, again, let's go back to the things that marketers are trying to get into the marketplace. Um, we talk about them in, in products and services, brand, and you know, brand messaging, brand positioning, and experience. So, so product, service, brand, and experience. Every one of the in-front studies that we do falls into one of those three categories. And, and at the end of the day, what it comes down to is, like I said before, value proposition. You as a marketer are trying to get something in front of a customer and ensure that they see the value that that offering has to them. And it could be the experience that they're going to go through. We do a lot of work in the banking space, and it's very experience heavy. Um, we do a lot of work with manufacturers, and it's, it's product and, and features and spec heavy. Um but what we find is 
the message can still be broken down into fundamental parts of a story, right? Think of it as chapters in a story. You have certain aspects of that value proposition that you want to deliver, deliver, and there's certain aspects that you believe you're better at than the competition is, and that's what you're going to accentuate, accentuate to make yourself stand out. What we're able to do is break down that value proposition for whatever it is you're bringing to market, have your frontline teams assess it, and then what we do is we break down the responses. We, we break down the data into three categories. We have alignment. So we are measuring alignment between the people who are setting the strategy and the people who have to deliver it. We are measuring advocacy. So we are essentially measuring what percentage we're segmenting your frontline population into the people that we consider to be advocates who believe it has value for the customer, people who are undecided, and then people who are critics, the ones who are not really not sold that what you have is connecting with customers. And then we have an acceleration category, which is really about where are the places that you have opportunities to influence and win your people over to gain momentum around your product? It sounds like when you're talking to brands or you're consulting, advising, it can go a lot of different directions, right? Every company's different and um, alignment might be great at one organization, but they fail on the other measures you just spoke about, whereas others not aligned at all. You have to focus on that. Is that a fair statement? It, it, not only is it a fair statement, it's a very astute comment because we, you know, we had somebody, we had a client recently who's been a longtime client of service say, you frame this up around alignment and I don't care about alignment. Um, I will say alignment is the piece that most people care about. Um, the, the, the thing that resonates the most is the consistency of the message. The, I, we have built this offering and we are spending dollars to advertise this offering based on the warranty or the durability or the, the color palette or the, the, the price insert any care, you know, feature or feature or benefit, you know, in here, um, they believe that they have a certain story that they want to tell. And if that's not connecting with their frontline teams and, and the, the pieces of that story, those dots don't connect, what you have is a disjointed experience. You have people talking about one thing when you're spending all this money to advertise another. So I would say predominantly, that's the piece that most organizations, that's the problem marketers identify with, is that disconnectedness, is that misalignment. But it's not for everybody. Some people say, listen, I think we're really aligned and we're just bad and we need to understand where we're bad. Or... Honestly, we've had plenty of scenarios where we've done studies where we've come back. The studies are not about right or wrong. It's not a report card. It's 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 not a report card. It's more of like uh, think about you do your 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 you know your do your health test and it comes back and it sort of is what it is. It's not necessarily good or bad, but it does give you you know help you identify things that you can either be doing more of or places that you could potentially get back on track. We've had plenty of instances where organizations are doing well and we've given them data that validates that it is connecting with their team and that they can double down and go faster. So that, you know, think about the value of validating your hunches and validating your strategy. In some cases, that's even better than finding the gap. And so when you say a study, what what, what does that entail? Is that interviews with employees throughout the entire organization? What is a study from your world? A study. So we, somebody told me one time, they're like, you're trying to turn the qualitative into, into a quantitative method. And, okay. and, and I think, I think there's some truth in it. There's definitely a, this might be blasphemy to a, a group of, of a sample people, but it is a blend of art and science. There, there's no question about it. Marketing is a blend of art and science. Yeah. Speaks and, our language, Brian. Yeah, we're good. Right. <laughs> it, it, it's definitely, there's, it's what, what we're doing is typically we're working with larger organizations 
so we can get large enough sample sizes to be able to take the feedback that we're getting. So we say studies. They are they are built through an enterprise enterprise survey tool, enterprise grade survey tool. Um, they take eight to ten minutes to complete. They actually take eight to ten minutes to complete. Um, we've got that verified on on average. Um, but we send them out, and what we're able to do is we've built data modeling on the back end that takes the responses and and starts to you know create these metrics. I mentioned the alignment metric, the advocacy score, those types of things. So we're doing deep proprietary analytics on the back end of the response set and coming to you with insights on this is what we're seeing. These are the places that we would make tweaks. Starting to get it, Brian. <laughs> Starting to get it. That's really cool. I bet you uncovered a lot of insights from people whose voices haven't been heard before. An organization may think they have a light across the entire organization. They really don't. I bet there's a lot of just uncovering, right? For sure. Yeah. I mean, there, yeah. There, there's a lot of interesting stuff. I, I can share with you an example, but I would ask your audience to, I'll throw out a question, honestly, for people to mm -hmm. ponder a rhetorical question, which is when you think about the next big thing that your organization will do, the next big thing that you're doing research on, who is it more important to win over the customer or your employees? And think about it, your, your salespeople, your, your, your call center teams, whomever that may be, and really think about it. Because most organizations recognize that they don't have a big enough marketing budget to drive enough demand where it doesn't matter what your salespeople say. Frankly, the only company, the only brand that can really do that is Apple. Apple's the only brand, in my opinion, that can just put something out there through their marketing, and it really doesn't matter what anybody says, they're going to show up and buy it. Uh, most organizations, when they put something out, um, they need their teams bought in. They need incremental effort from their teams to bring it up, to introduce it to customers, or else the, the, the financial modeling doesn't exactly work. So we're big believers that understanding that internal audience is, is a key to unlocking the success with customers. So- um, the, uh, I, there, I, I believe I missed your question in there. I don't know that I answered your question directly. No, you asked it. That's great. Okay. Um, does this work with all size companies? What if it's a small organization? It's a, you know, they've been around for two years. They have a, a sales organization. that's 20 people deep. That's it. Same kind of process or the, as with you would with, uh, you know, 4,000 employees. Typically not, and 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 this okay. is where you you're, you guys are the sampling experts, and I'm sure you can give uh, you can give me your take on it. But we're typically saying that if um, we've never done one with fewer than 50 people, and really we're, we're targeting, you know, we try to get into 100 because yep. you know in in the instance that you have a a hundred people that would a hundred people in a specific role that would be part of the study, because in that instance we're trying to get. Um, anywhere from 60 to 80% participation to feel like we have something worth analyzing. Once you get below that, it just the sample size becomes too small. We would probably do more, and we have done this before, where we're doing more focus grouping. If you find yourself with a couple of dozen reps, that type of thing, we're going to do it through focus group. We're going to follow the same process in terms of the things that we're asking about and have them evaluate, but we just don't have a, 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 a rigorous and, you know, a, a rigorous data sample to work from if we only have a few dozen. Okay, makes sense. Brian, uh, do you have questions? I do have a question. So Chris, as you're giving those kind of three core metrics, the alignment, the advocacy, and the acceleration, is something that you also provide kind of almost a benchmark of where maybe others in their industry or others that are similar size, something like that, that like, hey, this is kind of where you sit versus a comparable. Is that part of what a, a one of your clients would get 
It is. Yes. And what we're what we're doing over time, it's a really good question. What we're trying to do over time is not only just benchmark off of um, sort of macro numbers, we're trying to start segmenting people based on um, what they're measuring and where they are in their life cycle. So think of it this way. If you are in the midst of a product launch, um, we want to benchmark you against other product launches. Um, if you if you have a customer experience program that's been out there for two years and it's more mature, and so it's experienced and it's mature, we want to compare you to experience programs that are more mature. So we want to actually put it in a we want to put it in a go-to-market context for you and say, this is how you compare it to actual people trying to accomplish what you're trying to accomplish. Um Industry, honestly, we believe that type of benchmarking is even more important than industry benchmarking, because uh, as one of our advisors, who's a professor at Harvard Business School, says, context is more important in sales than any other discipline. Context matters. So we try to put mm -hmm. it into the appropriate context when we give them benchmarking. Well, that's great. Outstanding. I don't have any more questions, but I do have a comment. <laughs> we, uh, we basically have a segment on our podcast where there's so much uh, consolidation in our industry that brand names are changing all the time. It doesn't make any sense what is going on in our world. And I feel bad that Brian and I come on here every week and like, oh my God, there's been another one. Your brand name's outstanding. Tells you exactly what you do. Interview is such an amazing brand name. I get it. It's interview, like it's a play on words, but it's really cool. So I just want to say thank you for having a cool brand name. How did you come up with that? Was it an aha um, moment? I I remember where I was when when we came up with it. Um, we we were, we're working with a, a, a person that's had a branding agency for a long time. She's she's a good friend and partner of ours. And when we started back up, she said, "Listen, I want to help. I want to help you get this going. I love what you guys are doing." And I was on the phone with her, and I was sitting in my car, and we were just rattling through names, and it just came out of my mouth. So um, we do run into the wait, is it interview, like interview for a job? And we explain yeah. it to them. But once people see it, they certainly get it. But um, as the brand name's near and dear to my heart, so I appreciate that that commentary. I wouldn't say we're experts on brand names, but I bet we talk about brand names more than any other podcast. It just we kind of fell into that. Yeah. Well, there's a lot in our industry being rebranded over the last, we'll call it like 18 months. So it just seems to like every other week, there seems to be something like that. So, and I love how you've kept the consistency for the branding where you have in front and then you, I know you have another product that is, or a service that's mentioned on your website called in focus as well. So I like the little, you've kept it in line, you've kept, you have your position. I like it. Well, we appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that It feels good to hear that. So, Chris, how can people reach you? I know the interviewgroup.com, no T, that's how I would say it, um, but how can they reach you? Yeah, I think, especially for your audience, I think in front is really the um, the, the product that is probably the, probably the most interesting, maybe the most provocative. Um, Infrontinsights.com is, is how you can check that out. And okay. one tip I would give is if people really do want to learn more, we have uh, we have an ebook that we call our, our guide to frontline insights, which really introduces people to this concept of how you can really be tapping into frontline teams to, you know, identify not only where there are gaps with them, but also understand your customers better, right? There, there's these people are, nobody knows your customers better than your front lines. So we have a, a guide to frontline insights. That's a good download. It's, it's not, not behind a walled garden. It's, it's just a, a quick little download. And um, we encourage people to take a look at that if they want to learn more. Awesome. Um, Thank you so much for joining. Really interesting strategy. I think it's needed in our industry. Um, so I really appreciate your time. And hey, go check them out. In front. Sounds awesome. Thanks. Thanks, Chris. Thank you, Brian's.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.